What's up? What's up, church family? Good to see you. everybody doing all right today. Good, good. Man, how many of you guys appreciate our worship team? Uh, you guys like, like them all right? They can sing better than you, that's for sure. I can hear you singing behind me. It's not, it's not that good. I'm just joking. But Hey, this last week, my wife, Cody, and I celebrated 15 years of marriage. So come on now. Y'all keep praying for her. <laughs> Because uh, she's a real hero. <laughs> Y'all know if you got to put up with me for 15 years, you're a real Christian. Uh, so this a couple weeks ago, we started the series on church family. And uh, I will say this weekend, uh, every once in a while, we have what we call a family meeting. And if you're visiting with us today, I'm so glad that you're here. And, and I hope that this has been a good experience for you so far. Our heart is to get you plugged into the local body of believers. And I will say this, if you get through this service... And you realize, man, this is just not really our flavor of church. And maybe you're new around our community and you're not sure what churches are available out there. Uh, please come and talk to me. If, if you don't want to settle in here, I know a lot of the churches, pastors, if there's a particular kind of church you're looking for, I'd love to get you connected at that church because that's our heart is to get people plugged into the body of Christ. Because we all need it. Amen. And last week we talked about our life groups, um, the way that we get plugged in outside of these four walls, build those relationships. We had a great life group launch. It went really well. We had a bunch of people coming through, getting signed up. Just to reiterate what Kenny said, man, it, it is not too late. And I, I don't encourage you. Like I know sometimes there's a little bit of, of fear maybe or, or just uncertainty about what all that's going to look like. I promise you this. Just take a step towards it. Uh, and I believe that God's going to meet you and, and he's going to bring you into a group that's really going to help you, help you be connected in community. And the reason why we are talking about this, one of the things that we mentioned last week is that we are living in a pretty crazy world right now. Uh, you're looking around you and you're seeing just the hate and the divisiveness and, and how important it is that as a church and as a body of believers, we're salt and light in that. And we can't really be that without being connected and having community if you watch the news lately, it's just crazy. I've got to a place. How many guys are almost just kind of fed up with watching news at all? Like, it's just like, it's just crazy. Because there'll be a panel of people on there, right? And they may have opposing views, but they're fighting each other with hate. And I, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen one of those segments. I haven't seen one of those times and there was a panel of people they may disagree on a subject and somebody says something and one of them's like, well, I never saw it that way. You know, you got a really good point. All these years I was thinking one thing, but now you have, <laughs> you blew my mind and I'm totally going to change everything that I've ever thought. Thank you. Like I haven't, I haven't seen that because people's minds don't change like that. And you have to understand, it is not our role and responsibility to change people's minds. It's our role and responsibility to be a part of influencing a change in their heart. That's what God has called us to. Because the only hope for it all is Jesus. And Jesus is the only one that can change hearts. And all we can do is try to point people towards him. And so when we're talking about that, there's a lot of different ways that God wants to use us in order to facilitate pointing out or pointing people towards the heart of Jesus. Throughout the word of God, or the word of, yeah, the word of God, Jeremiah. I was like, man, did I say that right? Like, 
Yeah, it is your word. Okay, I'm good. He told Jeremiah, look, if, if the people of Israel will turn their hearts back towards me, I'll return to them. He told Ezekiel, like, that he would put a new heart in people. Like, that, man, you, that's what people need right now. They just need a new heart. They need a new perspective. And David had that prayer before him and God, like, God created me a new heart. That is something maybe some of you need to pray. Like, you just, your heart has gotten callous. Has anybody else noticed that, that if you... If you scroll through Facebook long enough and you start seeing some of these posts and you see some of the stuff that's out there, like it starts getting in you. It starts getting in your heart. Like it starts affecting the way, you, like you could have been fine, like in a good mood. You're, you're on Facebook for five minutes. Somebody else comes up to talk to you. Hey man, how you doing? Shut up. Leave me alone. It's just mean and divisive. People need a new heart. Jesus talked about this in Matthew 24, 10. He says, at, the, at that time, many will turn away from the faith, will betray and hate each other. Talking about the last days. A while back, Pastor Rick encouraged us as campus pastors to create what he called a heat map. And basically what this is, it's like the top th- five things in our lives that are, are points of, of pressure. Things that are, are really, really important things that that kind of light up in our lives that are creating a lot of heat, pressure in our lives. He encourages us to do that so that we can focus in on those things. And and he shared with us some of the things that were on his heat map. And so I've I've never done this before, but I thought I'd share just a couple of the things that are on my heat map, the things that are creating some heat, some pressure in my life. Um, It's a couple of family members, uh, specifically their marriage the relationship with other people. It's on my heat map. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying about it. I'm asking God for his wisdom on how to approach conversations and if there needs to be a conversation or not. Another thing that's on my heat map is, is leadership development around this church, like finding the right people and put them in the right spots because I know that it's important that we're building our teams and they're strong and they're deep and our, our benches are deep and strong because, because we're going to plan another campus out of this campus. And, and it could be within the next year where we, we could be going in, in, into Jacksonville or we could be going into Sherwood and planning another campus. And, and so we've got to have leadership teams that are ready to, to, to be able to send people to get that campus going and to raise that campus up. Another thing is just my schedule. Like, God, am I, am I utilizing my schedule, the time that you've given me, the most effective way I possibly can? Because uh, sometimes it's, it's difficult. Like, how do you balance all the needs with the time? What's the most efficient and effective thing that I can be doing as the pastor of this campus? And those are some things that, that I'm thinking about. But one of the things that heats up the most on my heat map on a more consistent basis than anything else, it's this question. Do people like to come to our church to consume? Or do people come to our church because they want to contribute? 
Do people come to our church because they just like our church? I'm thankful for that. But are we as a church doing what we need to do to convey that being at church is a lot more than just being at church? There's a major difference. If you go through our Connect class, it's one of the things that we teach. So we can... We know who our members are. And it's, it's, it's really separated by those two words. There's people that are consuming or there's people that are contributing. And the people that contribute are the people that they're, they're our members. There's no letter for them. There's no official membership. But we just see the fruit. We see their hearts. We see them serving. Because here's the thing. If you say you like our church, you have to also understand that this church is not a building. It's the people. It's the people that are here. That's the church. Like that, that, that's the bride of Christ. And so it, it's like you saying, well, I like your church, but I don't really care for the people. I mean, that'd be like you coming to my house, walking in and saying, man, I like your house. I don't care for your wife, but I like your house. Like, if you said that, you came, I would pepper spray your face off. Like, because it's just ridiculous. You can't separate what's really important. And so I want you to know, you can attend this church for the rest of your life and never help us do ministry, and you will never receive hate mail from us. We'll never roll our eyes at you, you know. We'll we'll never judge you or talk about you behind your back. But the bottom line is this, you won't be okay. You won't be okay. Because how God created you And part of how he created you is to answer this fundamental question. What have you purposed me to do? And what God has purposed you to do, a piece of that puzzle is to be connected and serving in the body of Christ on some level. It's a part of it. And so if you you don't get plugged in, you will have an unanswered fundamental question in your life and you will have a tendency to be mad at and blame all the wrong things and wrong people. You will think that the frustration and disappointment is attributed to a system, a church, a pastor, a leader. In reality, it's because you haven't stepped into what God created you to do. And then for us, New Life Church will never be as strong as it could have been if you were totally committed. We just won't be as strong as we could be without you. And then you will be our unanswered question too. I could. Who is it? Who who can we get? Who's going to step into this? It takes a few thousand people across the state every weekend to make New Life Church happen. But not just in the services on the weekend, but throughout the week, hundreds of people are helping us reach the state of Arkansas. They're serving. They're they're working full-time jobs. Trust me, they are just as busy as anyone else in this place. But they have made the decision that they are going to find time somewhere to be a contributor. 
to help this thing grow. There's this, this story in the Bible, and I don't think I'm going to go all the way through the scripture. It might be in your notes, though. But it, it, in Matthew chapter 13, and starting in verse 53, it gives this account of how Jesus basically went back to his hometown. Like he was back in his hometown, and, and, and he was teaching in their synagogue, which is like our church today. So he's teaching that synagogue and there were a bunch of people there and man, they were amazed at his wisdom. They were amazed at like the things he had to say. It's like, man, this is really good. This is, this is good. But then they started taking note like, but this isn't this just like the carpenter kid? Like we know this guy, like he's been around here. We know his, we know his family, we know his siblings. Like we know all these people. Like he... He's really, he's a good speaker, but, but that's, that's about it. And I find that interesting. Because the, the reality was those people were at church and not doing church. They were there because it was good. They were there because they liked what he had to say. But there wasn't this place of honor and respect that he was the Messiah and that he could change their lives. And it's said that because of where their hearts were at, he could do no miracles in that place. He couldn't work the miraculous in that place. Not that he wouldn't, he actually couldn't because of their apathy. Because they didn't see who he was. They just saw that, ah, that was a good word. It was a good message. The most dangerous place that we could be as a church is where this is just a place that's cool to be or, not to, or nice to be. Please, you have to see this as a place that the Spirit of God moves and does the miraculous, where Jesus is held in highest esteem and honored. And because of that, marriages are healed. People are set free from addictions. People are, 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 are set free from bonds and things in their past and their guilt and the shame of their past and their sin. The people are set free. This is going to happen, though, when everybody understands that this is just not just a cool place to be, but we are working as a body of Christ, partnered with the Holy Spirit to reach a lost city and state. That's what God has called us to. But the only way we get it we have to be a lot more than just attending. It's got to be more than that. The Bible teaches us that Jesus possessed divine power to do miracles. Like in all these different things, power over natural law and over material objects, the, the demonic world, power over death itself. And in fact, he demonstrated his power even in situations where there didn't seem to be an apparent showing of faith. In other words, he would do miracles for people that didn't even know who he was and didn't have any faith in him. And so the issue, if, if God is not working in a powerful way, if God is not doing the miraculous, the issue is not that he can't. It's not that he doesn't have enough love. It, it may just have to do with our perspective of who he is and our role in partnership with him. It may have everything to do with that. Please don't see this place as just a decent place to go to church. You've got to see it as more than that. 
I can tell this is already hard hitting. It's really quiet in here. God never helps us see something and then just leaves us there. God shows us stuff so we can grow. God shows us stuff so we can move forward. I don't know about you, but I want to keep moving forward. I kind of want to stall out. We can very easily become happy with what we have right now. But God, God, God has more for us. He's got more for you. When it comes to life with Christ, there, there's a few things that you can do. First of all, you can waste your life. That's an option you have. How many of y'all remember, like, when you were a kid, how terrible it was to be bored? Anybody remember that as, as a kid? But neither sowing and reaping. So for every time that you said you were bored, your kids return that back to you tenfold. Like, of just, I'm bored, I'm bored. But I remember, like, I, I, but here's the thing around my house. I don't know how it was in your house. We did not say that we were bored. You didn't say you were bored. Because you say you were bored, you got put to work. Like, you started chopping wood. You started mowing the yard. Like, oh, you're bored. Okay. Okay. They get my angry, mad. Like, start using your middle name, all kinds of stuff. And so, but now that I'm older, like, how many of how many of y'all, you would say, man, it sounds so good to be bored. <laughs> like, I wish, I want to be bored. I'd love to be bored for like 15 minutes. Just 15 minutes of absolute boredom. But I also hate the idea that I could be wasting time. Wasting my life. Like, I know, that you, I know that you guys, you don't want that for me, right? You don't want me to waste my life. You don't want me to one Sunday get up here and be like, well, I just want you to know that Cody and I have been struggling a little bit. And last night, she let me know she's going to give me one more good year. That's it. And then she's done. So I just wanted to let you all know. Enjoy it while it lasts. You don't want, you don't, we're not in that place, by the way. Or if I came up here and said, whew, man, Friday night, I got a little sauced up. <laughs> really sauced up, actually. I had, had to call Jarrett come pick me up at one of the local bars. And, well, I want to let you know I'm okay now. Praise God for designated drivers. Amen. <laughs> like, I know that's not what you want from me. At least I'm praying that's not what you want from me. <laughs> Like you're pulling for me. I want you to know I'm pulling for you, but you have to know heaven is pulling for you. Heaven's pulling for your schedule. Heaven's pulling for your gifts. Heaven's pulling for your talents. Heaven's pulling for your resources. Heaven is pulling for you. For your heart. So you don't waste anything. But every once in a while, you get into a rut. And when you get into a rut, this is when the waste begins to happen. Some of the rut happens because you've been around the things of God for a long time. How many of you have been a Christian for 15 years, at least 15 years? How many of you have been a Christian for at least, okay, 20 years? Leave your hand out, 20 years? 25 years, 25 years? 30 years, 30 years? 35 years? Can I get a 50 year? Can I get a 45 year? Um, okay. <laughs> 
the point is this. When you've been following Christ for a long time, you just like, you can get into a rut and a routine and start wasting. I would guess this. I would guess that some of you that have been a Christian for a really long time, like some of those, remember the old Christian songs, like, but they're like, they're still like your anthem. Like you remember them. Some of those classics, like this one. You guys remember this one. Listen up. You even know the sign language, don't you? Come on now. We know you know it. We know we, uh uh-huh. Whoo. But it was so good when it came out. You're like, yeah, that's right. That's right. He is. Like you wanted to go punch somebody, but you wouldn't because you're a Baptist and that wasn't the right thing to do. Or this one, like some of the more edgy stuff, but it was like cutting edge. Like this song, like, man, this is good. I like this. Don't pretend like you don't know the lyrics to all these songs. Some of you are like, I really don't. This is scary. (laughs) These are Christian songs. You're renegotiating your salvation right now. But I love that this one is still mm, gets me right here. Come on. Come on now. Now, I, listen, <laughs> well, I remember when that song came out. And I was like, yeah, that's right. A friend can be a friend forever. Now you hear, it's like, wow, the cheese factor on that is just like, (laughs) But some of us, our walk and our life, it becomes like those songs. They're good but they're not moving forward. Another thing that you can do with your life is you can spend it. You can spend your life. I must admit that this this can be a rut that I fall into sometimes where I'm just spending, just pouring everything out to the point where you just got nothing really left to give to God, Not, not, not time, not anything else. You can just spend your life doing a lot of life, like the routine, Monday through Sunday, just like wake up, you know, it's the same thing. Wake up, get, get, you know, throw your comfy sweats on because, you know, you don't really have time to do anything else before you take the kids to school. You know, you put on your sweater, you get the kids ready, you get their breakfast, you get their lunch, you get them off to school, you drop them off, you go back home, you get dressed or maybe go to the gym for maybe a little bit. But then you go to work and some of you are like, oh, that sounds nice. I get up at four o'clock in the morning to go to work. So then I drive down what's called the gauntlet down the 167, 67 through no man's land where everyone loses their salvation, joy and peace. And, and then I go down there to work and then I just I sit at this desk under fluorescent lights that really are not good for me and give me a headache and I do that and then I get done and I go through the gauntlet again three hours later I'm back home and 
I'll try to spend a little bit of time with my family, try to muster up a little bit of strength to have some sort of good conversation, even though I've really spent all my words for the day and I'm done talking with people. In fact, I would rather just not see people for the rest of my life at that point. But I'll have dinner and then maybe after that, get the kids ready for bed, put them down and hopefully just be able to sit back and Netflix binge for about an hour before you're completely exhausted, fall asleep and drool on yourself. And that's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then you mow the yard. (laughs) And then you go to church. And then you start it all over again. It could be really easy to just get in a place where you just spend your life. We don't really have anything else. That's it. You're done over and over and over again. But the third option is you can invest your life. You can invest your life. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary. But what is unseen is eternal. Paul wrote that. But you contrast that with somebody else in the Bible, Solomon. I mean, Solomon, like... He was like in a perpetual midlife crisis. Like he got to a place where he just kept saying, man, life is just meaningless. Life is meaningless. Everyone just toils and works and nothing ever really happens with it. But here's the crazy thing. Theologians would estimate that he was worth over $800 billion. Somebody need to slap that man. But he was depressed. But you contrast that with Paul. And Paul was writing this after he's talking about, well, yeah, I got shipwrecked and stoned and whipped and, you know, and bit by a snake and shipwrecked again and then stoned again and then whipped again. And, but all that's just not that big a deal when you compare it to investing in eternity. There's nothing better. There's nothing more fulfilling few truths about this investment. First of all, you just have to be available. Make yourself available. Isaiah 6, 8 says, Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and whom will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. That's the heart that God is looking for. Like, just somebody that just says, Yeah, I'll go. I mean, I'm not, I don't know all the details, but, but I know God's calling me. This is a message translation of Romans 12. It's so good. So here's what I'd want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it even without thinking Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. What does that maturity look like? In Philippians 2.4, it says, don't think about your affairs, but the interest of others too. 
Not just your own. It's not that you can't look to your own affairs, but you've just got to think, what else is there? Because every once in a while, you're going to go and check in your kids, and it's going to be crazy in that classroom. And you may get irritated and frustrated, like, what? What is going on around here? They, they, need to, they need to get more people in there. Those people, them, those guys, thems. It's almost never that crazy in any of the rooms, but if it ever is, it's not because the people in there don't care. It may just be that we need more help. And it may be that the reason why you're frustrated is because God maybe is doing something inside of you. One of the things I've said many times is a lot of times the place that you're the most fearful in your life can be one of the areas you're most gifted and talented to help with. Like, I'm afraid. I don't know about I'm kind of afraid to do. Like, I don't want to step out and lead a life group. I'm kind of afraid to do that. Every person that has told me that, that I have encouraged them and equipped them and walked alongside of them to get involved leading a life group. They're some of the best life group leaders we have. Like, oh, I just don't know how I can do this. Look, and every one of us asked, when Cody and I first came to be pastor of this campus, we had some fears. I had the fear of speaking every weekend. Like, I don't, like, could I do just like once every couple months or something like that? Because... You're saying like almost every week and you want me to, oh. It was intimidating. Cody and I were both a little fearful. We're like, we're young. We may not be as experienced around church. So what if we don't have influence? What if the older and more mature people in our church won't listen to us and won't let us counsel them? Some of the best relationships that we have and the most influence we have are with some of those people. And so in the same respect that sometimes your fear can often be the place that you're most gifted and, and anointed to help with, I would also say the same thing about your frustration. Sometimes your frustration is the very area that God has put a holy discontent for you to do something about it. There's a lady in our church she walked in through this door three weekends in a row, and for one reason or another, there was nobody greeting at that particular door. Granted, she was trying to take like the most covert entrance in the whole church, like, you know, the one that nobody really is using, but she walked through it and she was upset. Nobody greeted her for three weeks. Well, she had a choice. She could say, Well, I'm just done then. She didn't, though. She said, I'm going to greet at that door. And now she owns it. It's like, this is my door. And every person who walks through that door feels incredibly welcomed. Because God just was pulling something out of her. Some are waiting for the perfect time. There isn't one. There's not a perfect time. There's not a perfect time. Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done. God is not waiting for the perfect time, for the perfect person, for the perfect condition, because guess what? There aren't any. God likes to get glory. 
So he actually usually prefers to use everything that's not perfect. Because then he gets all the credit. So quit waiting for the perfect conditions. Sometimes our barrier can be our careers. And it's important that we're productive and that we have those things. But the Bible says you can't serve two masters. You can't. So you've got to make a living and you've got to have a career. But no matter how successful you get, you can't forget to invest in the expansion of the kingdom of God. And by the way, it's, it's getting your hands dirty. <laughs> I mean, kingdom work is all blue-collar work. Like you've got to just be willing to get in there. Another thing about your investment, your effort makes everyone more stable. Ecclesiastes 1.4. I have seen all things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless, chasing after the wind. In other words, when you don't know what God has called you to do and you're not answering that purpose, you're trying to catch wind. (laughs) And you can't. You're chasing after something that is unobtainable. Ephesians 4.16 says, From him... Talking about Christ, a whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love. And each part does its work. You've got to circle that like it's held together. Supporting ligaments. Serving is like an anchor for your life. It keeps you centered. It keeps you from being blown and tossed by the wind. It keeps you stable. It's also very fulfilling to be faithful. That's another thing about investing. It's incredibly fulfilling. Look, sometimes a sermon or worship will build your faith, but I find that nothing helps your faith grow stronger than when you help someone else. When you take time to serve someone else, man, that is when your faith really gets stronger. We have people serving, and it matters. Every piece of it matters. It doesn't matter what it is. All of it matters. Right now in this service, people are serving. And if they weren't here serving, you wouldn't enjoy this as much. So we have people that are running pro presenter. If they weren't running pro presenter, it would look like that. There's people running sound right now. And if they weren't running sound. Every weekend. Without sound, it wouldn't. We have people running lights right now. Without lights, it would be dark. (laughs) Every person matters. We have people that are running security all over this building right now. They're everywhere. (laughs) And just willing to take care of any issue that might come up. Some of them might even be praying that an issue comes up just because, you know... (laughs) But they're good people. How many of you would say today that you love Jesus? I'm I'm glad to see that 60% of our church loves Jesus. (laughs) It's better than half, you know? Some of y'all wouldn't raise your hand in church no matter what I ask. You're like, ain't doing it, not gonna do it. We love Presbyterians. (laughs) Jesus said something to Simon Peter one day. He was having a really bad day after he had betrayed him. He 
said in John 21, 15, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He asked him that question. And, and Simon responded with, you know I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Take care of my sheep. In other words, you're struggling right now and you're not secure and you're not sure about where you stand in relation to me. And one of the best ways for you to get back in a place of confidence and relationship with me Go serve people. Go take care of my people. Like this is for you. But it's also for them. One of the best ways to get around the presence of God is by having this heart like, I don't want to feed your sheep. I want to be a part of this. Because he didn't say, well, if you love me, then go change your temperament. You know, go knock that ugly off your face. (laughs) Go to church more. He said, feed, serve, give more to my people. When, I, when we first moved to Conway, I remember walking into this local hardware store. And when I walked in, like, I got greeted. Like, I was the most important person they'd ever seen in their life. This guy comes, hello, sir, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. How, how can I help you? Well, I'm a man, you know. So I'm like, well, I don't, I'm a man, so I don't, like, need help in a hardware store because I'm a man, you know. But... Since you asked, I don't want you to feel like your job's not important, you know. So, And I asked him where, where something was. And he said, oh, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah, let me show you. Walk this. And I'm like, you can just point. Just like point where it is. And he said this. He said, sir, oh, we don't point. We walk with people. We don't just point. We walk with people. Before we moved from Conway, I went, I went to that hardware store one more time. When I walked in, there was a totally different experience. Like I walked in and like nobody saw me. So I just kind of like drifted around for a little bit, looking lost, hoping somebody would see. And then when somebody did see me, they kind of like pretended like they didn't see me. So then I got assertive. Went over. Hey, you can tell me. They, they didn't even point. They like, huh? Somewhere. I'll huh. What? I don't want to be a church where we just point. I want to be a church where we walk with people. And not just when they walk in these doors but in their life, through the things that they need. Like, let's be a church that just cares. We walk with people. We serve them. We come alongside of them. We make sure that they they find what they need to find. One of the best compliments that we get at New Life Church is how kind we are. Man, people were just so friendly when I came in. Like, our coffee is strong. We do, though. We have, we have some of the nicest people. And I, that's a great compliment, but one of the worst comments we can get is, we came, but we didn't get involved. We came, we never met people. We came, but nobody said hello to us, which, <laughs> you have to be a ninja 
to navigate coming into our building without somebody saying hello to you. Because <laughs> Mr. Bill will get you. He saw you when you were still a quarter mile down the road, even before you're about to turn in. <laughs> uh, we have to do everything we can to keep him on the patio. Like, pat, you, know, you can't go into the parking lot, Bill. Like, let him at least come up before you start hugging on him. And let me ask you a question. Do you know the people that helped with parking today? Do you know their names? Uh, Do you know the people's names that are teaching your kids right now? Do you know the people's names that were the musicians and singers that were up here? Do you you know their names? Do you know the names of the people that that pray for this service every week before it starts? They pray, pray, pray for you, pray over every chair in this place, that the chair that you sit in, that it would be a place where you would encounter the presence of God. Do you know those people's names? Do you know the names of the people that are running sound and lights? There's a, there's a couple guys that are back in a, a room with all of our servers and stuff, and the temperature's about 30 degrees, and they sit in there the whole service. They get hypothermia for Jesus every week. <laughs> Do you know their names? Do you know the people's names that stock the bathrooms and clean up in between services or the people that, that serve online, that, that help make sure social media is up to date and that there's good graphics going out? Do you know the people that, that made you coffee this morning? Do you know their names? The people that, that made you coffee and then cleaned up your spill afterwards? Do you know their names? Do you know the names of the people, the businessmen and women that help us make good decisions? We go to and ask their advice on marketing and strategy and and help us keep our integrity strong around money and business choices. Do you know their names? How about the lay pastors in our church that are pastoring huge departments? Voluntary pastoring people? Do you know the names of the security guys? You may be too scared to ask them. (laughs) Do you know their names? Do you know the names of the the leaders that are leading in real life in 412 and kid life, little life? The people that when we say we pray for you every week, write down your request. Do you know the names of the people sit there, sometimes for hours, pouring over connect cards, making sure that every need is lifted before your Heavenly Father. Do you know their names? The truth is this, you probably don't, and you may never, but you better believe God knows their names. God knows their names, and He sees every effort, and it is so valuable to Him because He loves His bride lot and he appreciates people that help that bride get stronger and get ready and he may just be asking you to be a part of that
close our eyes, bow our heads. Around this subject, the, the, the title of today's talk could have shared at the beginning. It sounded a little needy, but, but it is true. The title of the talk is simply, please help. Please help. Please help. And I think maybe the Lord might be putting it on your heart to do that. I, I think that would be a good thing for you to settle right now. Make a commitment. We'll, we'll let you know how you can respond to that. But I want you to know, as a church, we're never going to be a church that cares about what you have before we care about who you are. And the most important thing that we can, can do as a church is something we do pretty much every weekend, and that is give a people an opportunity to receive the most important thing in their life, and that's a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you've, you haven't done that, you've never surrendered your life to God, you've never confessed your sin, declared your dependency on Jesus as the Savior, surrendered to Him as your Lord, or maybe you have, but you need to come back to Him. You need to rededicate your life to Him this morning. Nobody looking around. I want to pray for you. If that's you, put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. But I want to pray for you this morning. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I just need a relationship with Jesus today. Yes, sir. I got you, man. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thanks. Yes, sir. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. Thanks, man. I got it. Praying for you. Got it, buddy. Thanks, man. I need a relationship with him. Anybody else? Somebody's holding out. (laughs) There's no reason to. Let's just be bold if that's you. Come on, you respond. God will meet you where you're at. Just be faithful with it. Anybody else? Thanks. Thanks. Okay. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Got it. Anybody else? Christians, pray hard. This This is the most important thing we do. I just want to pray for those few folks right now. Just agree in prayer with me. Just in your heart, talk with him. Say something like this, God, I need you. I know that I'm a sinner and I can't save myself. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And I ask for your forgiveness. I know that you didn't stay dead. You defeated my sin. You defeated death in the grave. You rose again. You're preparing a place for me. But right now, I want to live for you. And so I declare you as the Lord of my life. I want you to have control. I don't want to live for myself. I want to, I want to live the way you want me to live. I want to understand your word. I want to understand your purpose. I want to walk with your spirit every day as I'm obedient to the things you've called and purposed me to do. If you said that prayer today, it's one of the most important decisions you can make. I also encourage you that you need to, to tell somebody about it. Go public with your decision to follow Jesus. A great way to do that is through water baptism. But, but let somebody know, hey, I made this commitment today. I, I felt like God had moved me to do this. Tell somebody you trust, somebody you love. Or just declare it to whoever you can. God, help us be a church 
that isn't just a good church or even a great church with great services and great programs. Help us be the body of Christ, connected, working together, serving together to make a difference and to build your kingdom. We thank you for that incredible honor, the privilege, the life that is fulfilling in that place. To you be the glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Family, let's stand together. We're going to worship God one more time before we leave today. Come on, let's lift all of our worship, all of our praise to him. He's worthy this morning. Amen.